Today on the Matt Wall Show, in the lead-up to the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships, where a man named Leah Thomas is expected to dominate and break records, Sports Illustrated has run a fawning cover story hailing his courage and athletic prowess. I have a few thoughts uh, to offer on that, and also an announcement that you're going to want to hear. That's coming up. Stick around for that. Also, the leftist meltdown at University of North Texas was even worse than we thought. More video and information has emerged. We'll talk about it. Plus, some lawmakers in D.C. seem dead set on getting us involved in a world war and some of them also desecrated an American flag to prove their loyalty to Ukraine. So we'll talk about that as well. And in some churches across the country, Ash Wednesday has apparently been replaced with Glitter Ash Wednesday. What is that? And is it as heretical as it sounds? We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. You know, if you've been listening to my show for a while, you know that I'm an activist against the lazy grocery shoppers who don't put their grocery carts away. Uh, while I have some, some tragic news, the grocery carts, I guess, had their revenge and attacked me in my own car. Unfortunately, when I was pulling out of my parking spot, a rogue grocery cart left there by some terrorist crashed into my car, leaving my front bumper scratched. Now, there are two lessons we can take from this. One, don't be lazy. Put your shopping carts away so I don't have to suffer. And two, you can solve an issue like mine really quickly without breaking the bank by just visiting rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is an online family-owned business that sells all auto parts that you could ever possibly need that are specific to your own vehicle. Their prices are shockingly reasonable and their shipping is quick. So no matter what's going on with your car, you can trust Rock Auto to get you what you need fast. And if you don't know anything about cars, there's no, no, no need to worry. Rock Auto is a very friendly user website and a very user-friendly website. And they, they make it very easy to pick the right parts for your specific car. So you can feel confident that you'll get the right parts for your vehicle and get them in an affordable way as well. So what are you waiting for? Go to rockauto.com for your auto part needs today and write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, Box? They know that I'm the one that sent you. That's rockauto.com to shop for your auto parts today. The mainstream sports media spends most every day trying to convince the public and themselves that they are more important than they really are. Uh, not, not satisfied to just report and analyze sports. They've deluded themselves into thinking that the world needs to hear their insights into all the major social and political issues of the day, and they're mistaken about that. And this mistake is why people have increasingly turned off sports media and sports in general, uh, because people just don't want that. But their inflated sense of importance and their suicidal determination to inject themselves into every issue just makes their cowardice all the more shameful and embarrassing, because there's actually one relevant social issue where the voices of the sports world are needed. There is at least one supposedly controversial topic that they should be speaking about. They should be filling their airwaves with. And that's exactly the one that most of them refuse to discuss. The one social issue that crosses over into their alleged area of interest and expertise is precisely the one that they're not going to touch with a 10-foot pole. Or else, even worse, they do acknowledge it, but only to bow in submission to the woke mob. Um, the issue, of course, that we're talking about is the destruction of women's sports through the intrusion and sabotage of biological males. And when it comes to the latter option of bowing in submission, Sports Illustrated, I think, wins the gold for the most shameful and obsequious display we've seen yet. Yesterday, Sports Illustrated published its big cover story written by Robert Sanchez titled, I am Leah, the trans swimmer dividing America tells her story. Now, the article could have been written by Thomas's publicist, and I'm sure he has one, and it probably was basically written by a publicist. But um, to begin, there's a, a short video kind of setting the stage, and we'll, uh, we'll watch some of that. 
Leah Thomas is the most controversial athlete in America today. The University of Pennsylvania swimmer has set pool, school, and Ivy League records this season and route to becoming the nation's most dominant female collegiate swimmer. She also is a trans woman who has faced bigotry and criticism from those who don't think she should be allowed to swim with or against female competition. The issue reached its peak this swim season as Thomas put herself on track to dominate the NCAA championships this month in Atlanta, Georgia. In addition to being a favorite in the 200-yard and 500-yard freestyle events, she also could break long-standing NCAA records held by Olympic stars Katie Ledecky and Missy Franklin. It's hardly been an easy road for Thomas, who began hormone replacement therapy in May 2019 after years of gender dysphoria. The shy, quiet swimmer from Austin, Texas began feeling relief almost immediately after beginning her treatments. She took the 2020-2021 academic year off to ensure she would be able to swim as a member of the Penn women's team and as her authentic self. This swim season, Thomas has faced criticisms, even from within her own team. They say her previous puberty gives her an advantage over her competition, that she is denigrating women's sports, that she has treated her competition as a joke. But she insists she isn't thinking about records. She says she simply wants to race against women. She wants to swim as Leah Thomas. Now, notice once again how Thomas is labeled uh, not only a woman athlete, but also female. Because the sex and gender distinction proves itself to be tr- proves proves itself to be as always a sleight of hand trick. We're expected to see Thomas as not only a self-identified woman, his gender allegedly, but also as a biological female. And this male female is about to topple female college records. Are we allowed to have a problem with that? No, as Sports Sports Illustrated makes abundantly clear. The puff piece begins by establishing Leah Thomas as a shy and unassuming college student somehow caught up in a controversy, not at all of his own making, of course. Here's what it says. Quote, first off, fresh off her final practice of the week, the most controversial athlete in America sat in the corner of a nearly empty Philadelphia coffee house with her back to the wall. Leah Thomas had done some of her best work this season while feeling cornered. On this January evening, her long torso was wrapped in a University of Pennsylvania swim and dive jacket, her hair still damp from a swim, roughly three miles, Staring at the black line on the bottom of the pool, she looked exhausted. As college students across the country were digging into their Friday nights, Thomas was thinking about her weekend plans, sleeping, studying, and another grueling swim practice. This has been a season unlike any in her 22 years and unlike any in the history of her sport. The shy senior economics major from Austin became one of the most dominant college athletes in the country and, as a result, the center of a national debate a living, breathing, real-time Rorschach test for how society views those who challenge conventions. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's why he became controversial is because he, he was dominant. But how did that happen? I mean, how did this shy student become a dominant college athlete? Prior to this past year, he was ranked, I think, in the 400s, mediocre on his best day. So how did that happen? Well, in his fourth year at school, he grew his hair out and became a woman. Presto changeo, just like that. Continuing, it says, um, quoting now from Leah Thomas, I'm a woman, just like anybody else on the team, Thomas says. I've always viewed myself as just a swimmer. It's what I've done for so long. It's what I love. She's not thinking about wins or records, she insists. I get into the water every day and do my best. Being trans, Thomas says, is an amazing and beautiful experience. I've been reinvigorated. I've been swimming for 17 years, but for only a short part of that time have I felt fully engaged. 
She's forever grateful for the kindness people closest to her showed during such a stressful time. She says she continues to appreciate the support of those people, how that love gives her hope for the life she'll someday make for herself. Quote, after coming out and being my authentic self, I can really start to see a future, she says. Before I came out, I couldn't visualize a future. Now, of course, the article presents Thomas as not only a courageous female athlete, but a martyr as well. We're told all about the, uh, the hate mail and angry comments Thomas has received. All of this is chalked up to bigotry. Though, if it's bigotry against anything, it's against cheaters. And it seems, by the way, nearly certain that the writer of this article, Robert Sanchez, knows that this is all nonsense. Because there's just no way that anyone has actually been convinced by the arguments in favor of allowing males in female sports. Because there are no arguments in favor of it. The emperor has no clothes. Or in this case, the, the emperor is an, a dude in women's clothes. And everybody can see it. But few will speak out against it. And next, Thomas will go to Georgia Tech for the NCAA Women's Swimming Championships, steal medals and records. And we already know that an audience there in the uh, watching will applaud dutifully, even though they know that it's all a joke. And it's sickening. And that's why I will be showing up to Georgia Tech also. On March 14th, um, the same week as the championships, I'll be holding an event on campus to explain why men don't belong in women's sports and why Leah Thomas is personally and specifically a cheater. Now, Thomas may be confused about his gender, um, but he still knows what he's doing. He, he is choosing to put his own feelings and desires and self-esteem above every woman on his team and every other team. You notice in, in, all, in this whole article, all the me's and I's, it's all about him. The other people on his team, they don't even factor into the equation. He's not worried about them at all because he's an entitled narcissist and he deserves all the condemnation that he gets. And in fact, he should be getting a lot more of it. So I'll deliver some of that on March 14th. One other note about this. After I announced this event yesterday, um, I was greeted with um, some familiar criticism you know, the critic, uh, critics ask, well, why am I getting involved in this issue? Why am I pretending to care about women's sports? It, it, you know, is anyone supposed to believe that I actually care about women's sports this much? Well, I'll answer that question. I, I've been quite clear that my primary concern is not women's sports itself. Never pretended that it was. I don't watch women's sports. And no, prior to men intruding into it, I didn't care that much about it. But I do care about the truth. And women's sports has become, not because I want it to be, but because the trans agenda made it so, an important battleground in the war for truth. I also care about justice. And it's not just, it's not fair for women to be treated this way, to be deprived of victories that they've rightfully earned. It's not fair. It's not just. That's why I care. But even so, should I be the one holding this event? I mean, sh should I be one of the loudest voices about this issue? Should I be one of the one of the loudest people defending women's sports? No, I shouldn't. It, it would be best if some prominent athlete were to show up and stage this protest. Michael Phelps should be there speaking out. Think about how powerful that would be. That'd be that'd be much better. If Michael Phelps volunteered, I would say, "Oh, forget my event. I'll I'll go to his." Or maybe one of those female Olympians whose records are about to be broken by a man. Maybe one of them. Think about how powerful they, that would be. If one of them showed up on campus the same week and held an event, calling this out, calling it what it is, which is cheating. That would be great. 
There's and, and again, if someone were to do that, I would say forget my event. I'll everyone go. I'll go and attend it myself. I'll, I'll attend this one. There's a whole list of people who would be more powerful voices on this than me. The problem is they're not saying anything. They're silent. They're staying as far away from this as they can. And so I have to go. If you don't like it, don't blame me. Blame the cowards who should be standing up there but aren't. Now let's get to our five headlines. Okay, so uh, another campus that I want to, um, that, I, that I'd like to make an appearance on, we're, try, we're still trying to, trying to set it up if we can, is University of North Texas. And uh, we talked about that yesterday to start the show, the total satanic meltdown that ensued at University of North Texas um, because somebody showed up on campus and uh, gave a talk about why children should not be castrated. Um, why it's you know why, why we shouldn't be butchering gender confused children, and it just so happens that the guy that was giving the talk, Jeff Younger, uh, is a father who's who has been trying to rescue his own son from this barbarity, and but has been has been prevented from doing that by the courts who have given uh, custody over to the mom because the mom is gender affirming, which is to say the mom is going to go along with her kid being being um, abused and mutilated. And this was enough for the, the for the people on campus to for the kids on campus and the LGBT activists to lose their mind. I mean, it really did. Watching some of the footage, and we played some of it yesterday. I have, I have another clip we'll play again. We'll play here, but watching the footage, it really does remind you, as I'm so often reminded when I see these kinds of temper tantrums from the left, um, it, it does kind of harken back to to the Exorcist. It's like this demonic. You, you almost expect to see their heads turning around 360 degrees start vomiting green slime all over the place, levitating. Like, you expect to see that because they're just filled with satanic rage at the idea that anybody would try to protect kids from being butchered. So before we have um, an update here from the Daily Wire, here's one clip we didn't play yesterday. Um, And this is one, when it comes to liberal meltdowns, I think this is one that that will live in infamy. This is almost as good, you know, the... The most famous liberal meltdown, of course, is that right after Trump was elected in D.C., the, the, the infamous footage of the woman falling to her knees and shouting no up into the sky. Um, this is almost as good as that. Watch this. I don't know. What else can you do but laugh? You know, you see that. It's it's easy enough to see that and think, well, look, mental illness is a real problem in this country. And uh, clearly, this is someone who's mentally deranged. And and and, and yes, that's, that's true. I'm not uh, denying that. Um, these are not mentally stable people. But we have to realize that the, the mental illness um, is not, you know, they, they weren't born with it. Um, this is something that has been, they've been conditioned into it. It's been implanted in their minds. And through the, the conditioning, through the, you know, the, the gender theory, gender ideology conditioning, but also through, through this sense of entitlement that they've been 
you know, conditioned into that they've that they've grown up with. They've these kids have been coddled to such an extent that for even one person to say something they disagree with, it, it is an it's a, they they can't handle it. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to handle someone disagreeing with them. What they could have done, I mean, that whole room was full of people on the other side of it. It was full of people who disagree with Jeff Younger. So what they could have done is just not showed up and gone about their lives. And from the looks of it, you know, Jeff Younger would have been talking to an empty room mostly. But to eat the, the knowledge, to, to know that there is someone in their vicinity saying things expressing views that are not their own just the the knowledge of that they, they they can't handle it they're compelled to show up and but they don't have any arguments to present obviously all they can do is just scream in infantile rage at the idea that anyone is allowed to disagree with them and as i said yesterday you know, we, we like to comfort ourselves on the right. We've been comforting ourselves uh, far too often. Speaking of uh, being coddled, we've kind of tried to coddle ourselves a little bit and comfort ourselves by by saying that uh, you know they'll uh, these kids they'll they're in for a, for a, a rude awakening when they you know go out into the world and um, they're going to encounter the real world and they're they're gonna they're gonna get over this pretty quickly. That's not the case, unfortunately, because they are going out into a world that they are also shaping. I mean, this is the next generation. They're, they're taking over. And so that sense of entitlement, all of it, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's just going to metastasize. Maybe for some of them, I hope, there will be, there'll be an awakening of sorts. But it's not going to be a necessary awakening. There's nothing about the, quote, real world right now that would require them to um, awake from this stupor, from this self-centered, narcissistic stupor. In fact, our entire culture is designed now to continue to coddle these people. That's a scary thought. Uh, it's a scary thought for a lot of reasons. One of them is that, um, you know, those the kids in that in that room there. If somebody had, had just gone up and shot Jeff Younger in the head, how do you think the kids would have responded? You think they would have been upset to see that? No, that kind of rage, it's because they want you dead. I mean, they think that you should be dead. And, and, and oftentimes they're, they're quite clear about that. They think that you should be dead for disagreeing with them. That's how they, they think. That's what they believe. And they are taking that belief with them into the greater, into the outside world. All right. Um, Speaking of which, this is from the Daily Wire. It says, black-clad black protesters screamed and heckled at a college student and Jeff Younger, the father of a child, the center of uh, national disputes over transgenderism, um, forcing police to rush the student and Younger to safety. So this is the part that we, we didn't actually see in the clip that we played. We had them screaming. They were spitting and everything. Um, and then at some point, apparently, the police intervene. And um, this is the exclusive report from the Daily Wire. It says, purportedly spurred on by anger over Texas's new transgender directive, which we know about, um, at least 70 black-clad protesters milled into the Young Conservatives of Texas Wednesday evening event at the University of North Texas. Um, 
During the event, police suddenly entered the room and ordered student Kelly Neidert, who was one of the people up there on, on a, you know, in front of the crowd trying to present her case, um, and also younger to evacuate. The student described tense moments following the evacuation in which she hid in a janitor's closet with a policeman as screaming protesters ran through the halls of the building searching for her. Neidert and Younger, who is the uh, father of James Younger, um, say that uh, said that the members of the University of North Texas Police Department, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and the Denton Police Department were present on Wednesday night. None of these organizations responded to the Daily Wire's request for comments. Um, and so the Neidert talks about hiding in this closet as there are these black clad, we call them protesters, but this is something more than that, patrolling the hallways, searching for her. What were they going to do if they found her? Remember what I said, they want you dead. They really do. She told the Daily Wire, quote, initially when we were first let out of the building to evacuate, I felt like everything was going to be under control. But after I was chased into the building with a police officer, when we were in this janitor's closet, I honestly was very scared. Uh, for good reason. This stuff hasn't ever really seemed scary to me. I guess I don't really care about the backlash I received, but when I was literally hiding in a janitor's closet with a police officer and the lights off with these people running in the hallway screaming, I mean, at this point, I was pretty scared for my life. Yeah, for, for good reason. You know, these um, the, the lawmakers on January 6th were supposed to feel a great amount of sympathy for them. I mean, they, they're all martyrs. They're survivors. None of them have a tale as harrowing as this. And she was also totally outnumbered. Um, and they're patrolling the hallways looking for her. Again, what were they going to do if they found her? You know, they want you dead for disagreeing with them. But the other thing is, they've been told repeatedly, and this is part of the conditioning, they've been told that, you know, opposing viewpoints are violent, are a threat to their very existence. We, we hear this all the time. And this is especially true when it comes to anything related to LGBT, trans. If you're at all critical of the trans agenda, then you are your viewpoints are a threat to the very existence of trans people. And these kids have been told that their whole lives. Now, they've never stopped to think about it. They've never stopped and, and actually asked themselves, well, how is my existence threatened because this guy disagrees with me? They just believe it. And that alone justifies violence. They could go and kill you and say, well, self-defense, you were threatening my existence. That's how the stage is being set, and very intentionally so. All right, um, let's move over to this. Nancy Pelosi uh, sent out a tweet a couple days ago that didn't attract a lot of attention when she first posted it, but we'll put this up. It says, uh, the Congress remains unwavering and resolute in our support for the people of Ukraine. We are committed to providing humanitarian and security assistance to Ukraine as Russia wages its unprovoked and premeditated war. Um, so, okay, that's pretty standard talking points there. But then you zoom in and you see all the lawmakers, uh, you know, dozens of them anyway, standing on the steps of the Capitol and they're holding a flag. And then, yeah, you get the zoom in and you see there it is a, an American flag and a Ukrainian flag, which has been combined. And so part of the American flag has been colored, you know, yellow and blue and adorned with Ukrainian symbols. In other words, the flag has been desecrated. 
So we are now at the point where we are desecrating the American flag to own Putin. That's that's what that is. That's that's the desecration of the flag. And all these smiling, and you see Dan Crenshaw, he's there smiling along. What, what is this supposed to prove exactly? The, the day before this, they were taking their American flags off to go to the State of the Union, putting on the Ukrainian lapels, and now they're desecrating a flag, an American flag. This, this is, and this is all part of the, this is all part of the, the hype and the, and the, the war fever. Which is only getting worse, by the way. Because desecrating the flag is pretty bad. That's a pretty bad tweet. Not as bad as this, though. This is a Lindsey Graham yesterday tweeted this. And I think he also went on Sean Hannity and, and, and uh, made this case. So he's very, he's very proud of this. This wasn't something that he said in the heat of the moment or something and regret saying now. Um, he put this out there. He says, is there a Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stauffenberg in the Russian military? The only way this ends is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out, meaning Putin, of course. You would be doing your country and the world a great service. Okay, so no big deal there. Just one of our most prominent elected officials openly and publicly calling for the assassination of the leader of a a, a nuclear-armed country. Now, there, there are two issues here, okay? The first is that assassinating Putin would actually probably be a terrible idea because then you end up with a power vacuum. You end up with a power vacuum um, in this, again, nuclear-armed superpower country. And who, who, who steps in there? Who takes his place? Someone's going in. Uh, whoever, however, whoever steps in and seizes power, are they likely to be uh, more pro-America and pro-West after we've just called for the assassination of, 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 of Putin? I mean, we, we've seen this play out over the last many decades that when we create power vac- vacuums, somebody steps into it and most of the time it's somebody worse. You know, we saw that in, we, we, we've seen that in the Middle East and, and it's hard for me to see especially right now of all times, how creating that kind of instability, destabilizing Russia, it's hard for me to see how that makes the world safer. But even if it did, like even if you could argue that taking Putin out would be the best move, you you don't say it publicly. You don't tweet it out. What's that supposed to accomplish? All that does is, I mean, the, the, the people of, of Russia, from as far as we can tell, not that we're getting a lot of, you know, this is not information that Russia's eager to, to publicize, but from what we've seen, this war is not popular in Russia. They, you know, the, the, the very first day that it broke out, uh, there were mass demonstrations in Russia against it. So the people are largely on our side when it comes to this war anyway. If you're trying to think of ways to turn them against us and, and, and have them rally around Putin, I think calling for the assassination of their political leaders is probably the way to do it. So whether or not it would be a good idea and would be for the best for Putin to be taken out, which I don't think it would be for the best, certainly saying it out loud is not the way to do it. 
Is that also, isn't that, I'm pretty sure that's a violation of, uh, this is lower on the list of priorities here, but isn't it also a violation of Twitter's terms of service? You, you, you can actually call for a person's assassination on Twitter and you're not violating any, uh, any rules there? These are the people we have leading us. I mean, for Lindsey Graham, this is, um, you know, I asked the question, why did he, what was the point of, of, of posting that? However you feel about assassinating Putin, what's the point of saying it? Well, the real point is that it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a way to get attention. It's, a, it's like a, a very odd form of virtue signaling. You can see where we've gotten to in our culture when uh, calling for someone's assassination is a virtue signal. But that's what it is. Desecrating the American flag is also a virtue signal. And so for him, it's all, it's all just a, a joke. It's, it's nothing. Because if we get into a world war, he, he's not going to be the one going over there to fight it. Same for Adam Kinzinger, who uh, tweeted this yesterday. He said, this is a good moment to renew my call for a no-fly zone at the invitation of the Ukraine government. Oh, well, they invited us. So, okay, well, that's, that's all that matters, as long as they invite us. As long as Ukraine has invited us to get, it, to get ourselves involved in this and risk American lives and start a world war. If they've invited us, well, then we should certainly do it. He says, I fear if this continues, we will have to intervene in a bigger way. Now, a no-fly zone, just to be very clear about this, um, a no-fly zone is an act of war. Okay, you are, the moment you start shooting at Russian planes or Russian um, military, that's an act of war. So Kinzinger is calling for us to get involved in this war. And I'll tell you, I, my position is very simple. I'm, I feel sorry for Ukraine. Um, I think it's bad what's happening to them. I wish that it was not happening. Um, I think that what Putin is doing is very wrong to invade the country this way and, and, and start um, shelling the cities and everything. I think that's all wrong. But I would rather Russia take over Ukraine than see American lives lost in defense of Ukraine. I would rather that. Those are two bad outcomes. No question about it. But for me as an American... The worst outcome is that Americans end up losing their lives by the thousands or the millions, potentially. Given that we would be getting involved in a war with, again, a nuclear superpower. A country that has 6,000, I think, nuclear weapons. All right. Here's something on uh, a guest on CNN said that I thought was kind of interesting. This is one of those moments when... You know, oh, this isn't this isn't this isn't CNN, but who can tell the difference anymore? Um, this is a this is one of those moments when someone on the left says something and it provokes, I get you know, some outrage and condemnation from the right. But uh, but it's honest, and I kind of prefer the honesty. So let's listen to this. Now, in your book, allow me to retort. You reframe politics and the Constitution by kind of breaking down how it all impacts voting rights, like you mentioned, uh, LGBTQ rights, abortion rights, the list, as you know, goes on and on. So are you arguing that the Constitution needs to be scrapped altogether? 
<laughs> sure, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like, yeah. like, like, if we could throw that out and, and start over with a new document that was more inclusive of everybody, that was written by everybody, at no point have black people, brown people, or women had a say mm -hmm. in actually writing the Constitution or the amendments to that Constitution. If we could throw that out and have a delegation of all Americans to write a new one, I would be all for that. Okay. That's what they did in South Africa. You know, when they got when they got rid of apartheid, they didn't like tax some amendments onto their apartheid constitution. They threw their apartheid constitution out and they started over. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, and so instead of that, what I'm really advocating for is that we interpret our constitution so that it so that we extend justice and fairness and equality to all as opposed to whatever the heck we do now. So he's in favor of just getting rid of the constitution and uh, writing something else and I, I am not in favor of that. I don't agree with that, but I, I am quite happy to hear. I would prefer that the, that people on the left make that argument and just come out and say it. Because one of the reasons why um, our debates never get anywhere is that uh, people aren't really being honest about what they actually think. And pretty much every debate is had in bad faith. And that's especially the case when we start talking about constitutional issues. Where both sides, including the left, you know, usually pretend that what they really care about is protecting the Constitution and all that. It's, it's of course, completely bogus. Yeah, you want to you want to rip up the the Constitution. You want to burn it, throw it in the incinerator. That's that's very clear because everything about our country and its history you hate. Everything. Come out and say it. It's, it's already obvious, but the more you say it, I think the better. Um, all right, let's go here. So there were some. A protest, a pro-mask protest in New York City. These are people that uh, gathered to protest in favor of masking. And let's let's check in with that. Mask for loved ones, mask for friends. It's not about you, also not hard to do. Just because we're tired doesn't mean it's over. Mandate masks, that's our ask. Masks for seniors, masks for kids. That is that is so sad. I think I prefer the screaming satanic ones over that. Uh, this this somehow is an even more pathetic display. And what are they protesting for exactly? You know, they're they're. Uh, all of their signs and, and everything said masking, masking for all. Well, go ahead and mask. No one's stopping you. There, there are no laws being put in place, especially not in New York City, saying that you can't wear the mask, outlawing it. Now, if it were up to me, I would probably put that law in place. I think actually there should be laws um, against masking, not just taking the mandates away, but putting a mandate in the other direction. That you can't just walk around in a mask all the time unless you have a real reason. And one of the reasons for a law like that, by the way, is um, it would put a it would put a stop to a lot of the looting that we're seeing. Because before everyone lost their mind minds with COVID, it was generally understood that you can't have a bunch of people going into stores and establishments covering their faces. When when people walk around in anonymity every single day, bad things happen. But that's, that, that's not happening, especially not happening in New York. So what are they protesting for? They can still wear the mask. Well, because it's not good enough for them to wear it. They need everyone. So they're, they're, they're protesting, asking for a mandate from the government. 
asking for the government to mandate them to do the thing they're already doing anyway. Because it's not about them, it's about you. They also want to control what you do. All right, finally, I want to play this before we get to the comment section. A, a mom on um, TikTok is getting ready to deliver her baby. She's not going to deliver the baby on TikTok. At least I hope not, but you never know anymore. And uh, she's come up with a written list of rules uh, about the birth and basically governing the way that her friends and family can behave and what they can do. It's pretty extensive. We can't play the entire thing. It goes on for like three minutes as she's listing like 50 rules. But let's let's play some of this. My husband and I made a list of guidelines for our friends and family for when I go into labor and we have our first daughter. Our first baby is due March 14th. I'm currently 34 weeks pregnant. So we, um, being first-time parents and being a little extra, decided to come up with this list called 2319 for people to kind of know what our expectations are and what we're comfortable with. So the first guideline is that if we tell you I'm in labor, don't announce baby's arrival. Don't post that I'm in labor until I've posted. I don't know if I'm going to want to post immediately that she's here or give it a whole week. Um, so we're just asking that people don't do that. Um, also, please don't inform other people unless we ask you to because we don't want to be bombarded with texts. Um, number two kind of goes off of that. When we tell you that we're in labor, we will be sending updates, but we're going to be sending updates that we're comfortable with and on our schedule, we won't be responding to requests for update, updates outside of that. So that way my husband doesn't have to juggle 30 people hmm. texting him. Okay. Hey, what's the latest news or whatever? Number three is, is pretty oh, simple. Okay. Don't post pictures of baby uh, until we do. And please okay. ask permission right. before okay, we can stop. post it. We can stop that. So those are all her rules for uh, for when, when she gives birth. You know, we've had four kids. We didn't post any rules at all. Uh, we, did, we didn't think to do that. But it's part of this trend now with, um, you know, people like they, they, they do something that billions of other people have already done in history. But now when they do it, the, in her mind, right, this is the first significant birth that's ever happened on Earth. Well, the second, because the first was her own. And um, and now and now this. Uh, billions of people have gone through this, have given birth, have been born, didn't need any rules, didn't need to make a big, huge show out of it. But no, this is different because it's her now. And it's the same thing. It's why people, you know, she, I guarantee she was the bridezilla when she got married, assuming she is married, which maybe I can't assume that. Um, I think she did say husband. So same deal there, I'm sure. Can you imagine if this is, if this is the rule she's putting in place, now she's acting when she gives birth. Can you imagine what she put her her friends and family through when she got married? Because that's the other thing that people, you know, they get married. And many people, have, and getting married is a wonderful thing. And uh, I wish it happened more often. In fact, there should be more marriages. But but still, you're doing something that billions of people have already done. But now that you're doing it, you think it needs to be, you need to be treated like royalty. And you can pass, pass all these rules down and treat everybody around you like garbage. And yet she still has friends and family at the end of that, which is uh, which is maybe the most impressive thing at all of all. Let's get now to the comment section. All right, we will tepidly dip into some of these video comments. Dailywire.com slash sweetbabycomments. I think I'm going to stop giving out that URL, actually. Let's go to clip 13. You might get a kick out of it. Of course. 
Do you like it? No, I think it's dumb. Show it to the camera. SPG for life. And she threw it. You know, I, I don't know if you, this is a, well, so this is a, a, a man giving a gift to the woman in his life. I don't know if they're married or not. And she, he, he gave her the sweet baby t-shirt, um, which is uh, not only a, a beautiful gift, also kind of, you know, frankly, kind of an expensive gift as, as well. And, uh, and she, th- she throws it aside. Look, I, I just said, I, I think marriage is a wonderful thing. More people should get married. Um, I would never recommend divorce, but there are exceptions to every rule. That's all I'll say. Let's go to clip 16. Hey, I'm really disappointed in the, the horrible treatment of producer McKenna and dear, dear Uncle Murray. Um, I am proposing that we say sweet McKenna for life until you have something nice to say about her and Uncle Murray. Uncle Murray has a great voice. He should be um, voicing the Daily Wire's movies or, you know, uh, books, whatever. He's got a great voice. I love listening. He's funny. McKenna was right in picking that clip. And um, you were, of course, wrong. So sweet McKenna for life until you have something nice to say about those two. Okay, I'm, I'm banning the video comments from the show. I think we, we tried it. It's just not working out. And before you defend, and don't, okay, you're trying to put this guy up on the screen. Don't put, he's not, he's not, that's not happening. Uncle Murray. Uh, no, we're not putting him up. Before you go defending McKenna, I should let you know something else. Um, adding insult to injury, to, to, you know, to my injury. The, the other day, so this is true, like two days ago. In fact, we were at, we were doing uh, the backstage. And it was during the State of the Union. And I, I asked McKenna, she was there. I said, can you go run and get me uh, some water? Because I'm on camera here. Okay, I'm the talent and I need some water so I can continue to, to speak and, and relay all my wisdom to the masses. And then she told me that she can't go get me a water because she was in a cast and she had just severely sprained her ankle. These are the kind of excuses that I have to deal with all the time. Um, all right. Let's see. Here's some good news. Greatness says, hey, Matt, Sweet Baby Gang is spreading rapidly. I'm a 14-year-old and I absolutely love your podcast at my dodgeball tournament. I convinced my team to be named Sweet Baby Gang, and we got third place out of six teams. So, well, each team has six players. Glad to represent SBG for life. Well, that's, that, that's good news. I mean, third place out of, uh, you still beat three other teams, so I'll give you credit for that. Um, and uh, Tevin says, was that a teacher clapping along with those animals? Yeah, so I got that comment a lot um, after, the, after the show yesterday. We played the footage of uh, what happened at the Jeff Younger event, and they were, you know, cussing him out and screaming at him and chanting, you know, whatever they were chanting. And you, you could see an adult standing up there and clapping along. And a lot of people thought, oh, is that, is that a teacher or professor clapping along with the, um, with the chanting animals? And no, that was Jeff Younger himself who was like chanting along with his own. With, he was like going along with the people jeering him and, and chanting along with it, um, which is not the best way to respond in a situation like that. Uh, but then again, I mean, you, you, what you have to keep in mind, with, with uh, especially with Jeff Younger, is that you know he, it doesn't seem to me that this is a guy who ever wanted to be a public figure. 
he just didn't want his son to be castrated. He didn't want his son to be raised as a girl. And um, he's had no choice but to take it. You know, he, he tried to stop it in court. That didn't work. Now he's running for office to try to stop it. Now, I don't, I don't know anything really about Jeff Younger, but um, this, is a, this is a father, at least, who cares about protecting his son and will do anything to make it happen, um, even putting himself in a position like that. So a lot of respect for that. Well, I have some exciting news for you. The Daily Wire is adding even more content to your queue, and we can't wait to share it with you. So mark your calendars for March 10th, the premiere of our latest film, The Hyperion's will happen. It's not woke. It doesn't have some underlying political message. It's just an excellent film. It's entertaining because when it comes to entertainment, that's really all that matters. Uh, see for yourself. Check out the trailer. Good day, Hyperion Club members. We've come for one thing. Our Titan badges. This Titan badge can grant an individual superhuman power. Perhaps it's time for someone else to take on the responsibility. On my way. She's trying to destroy me. Hyperion's is a dysfunctional family film with throwback vibes, and it's 100% worth the stream. We'll be streaming the film once, uh, once on March 10th for all of YouTube to see. This is the last time we'll be premiering a movie on YouTube, so be sure to head on over to the Daily Wire YouTube channel. Set a reminder for the live showing, but after that, you've got to be a member to get in on the action. So head to dailywire.com slash subscribe so you don't miss any more of um, all of the content that we have coming up. Also, when everyone else is kneeling, some men have the courage to stand alone. One of them is NBA star Jonathan Isaac, who despite facing heavy criticism from the media for his views on social issues and vaccines over the past few years, still stood strong, which is why I'm extremely excited to announce that he's decided to write a book with The Daily Wire called Why I Stand. Jonathan's book will be out, uh, would be about the rise of his basketball career, his journey into faith, and his strength to stand alone in the face of immense pressure. The book is available for pre-order now at Amazon, so reserve your copy today. And finally, to state the obvious, every social media platform is overrun with insane leftist drivel, littered with blue hair TikTok social justice warriors, word vomiting, their nonsensical ideological framework all over your feed that they don't even understand themselves. And, that's, and there's uh, just not that much content that caters to the sane youth, that is the sane youth, the young up-and-coming conservatives who will quite literally be running things one day. That's why our new show, The Comment Section, aims to change that. Featuring our newest addition to the Daily Wire lineup of hosts, Brett Cooper, The Comment Section is an irreverent viral content and news review show that offers an against-the-grain, laid-back perspective on all of the insanity of today and will even take you into one of the scariest places the online world has to offer, The Comment Section. Believe me, I know. The show is streaming now on YouTube for all to see. So make sure that you go to subscribe to The Comment Section with Brett Cooper and click the notification bell so you don't miss it. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So a few days ago was Ash Wednesday, a day of fasting, sacrifice, and repentance leading into Lent, a liturgical season of solemn and prayerful preparation before the holy celebration of Easter. Ash Wednesday is, as you might expect, um, not quite as popular these days as what comes before it, which is Fat Tuesday or Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras which traditionally was a time of feasting before the period of fasting. But in our culture, we prefer to take the feast without the fast. You know, Fat Tuesday leads to Fat Wednesday, followed by Fat Thursday, and even Fatter Friday, and so on. As Christianity declines in America, so too do our religious observances. As for that decline, 
you know, there are many Christians who mourn the fact that our numbers are dwindling, and they are, and uh, fewer people are taking part in our traditions. The rise in religiously unaffiliated and atheist self-identifications is often lamented by believers. And I lament it too. But I also much prefer that unbelievers declare themselves as such, declare themselves unaffiliated, renounce their faith openly, and align themselves with some other belief system. I prefer that than the other approach, which is to continue identifying themselves as Christians even while rejecting nearly every essential aspect of Christianity. In other words, I'll take apostasy over heresy any day of the week. Better to renounce your faith and and leave than remain in it, destroying it from the inside. But there are a lot of heretics in our society today. Uh, We have one in the White House, actually. Joe Biden calls himself a Catholic, a devout Catholic, in fact. And yet his devotion to Catholicism does not include the fundamental moral teachings of Catholicism. He's devoted to everything but that, which is like saying you're totally devoted to your wife, except when you're cheating on her. That's the only thing. Biden loves the church, but rejects nearly everything it says. Just one example of many, um, the church says that abortion is murder, an atrocity, an intrinsic moral evil. Biden says that it's maternal health care. And he was asked about this particular this uh, disconnect on Wednesday, right after he emerged from church with the ashes on his forehead for Ash Wednesday. And here's what he said. And last night, you said you support Roe v. Wade as a Catholic. I didn't support abortion as a Catholic. church teaching. I tell you what, I don't want to get in a debate with you on theology, but you know. Well, anyway. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to make a. I'm not going to make a judgment for other people. Oh, it's it's not for him to judge. Now that answer is nonsense for many reasons, not least because Biden clearly loves nothing more than to judge people. He judges unvaccinated people, parents at school board meetings, Trump supporters, conservatives, anyone who disagrees with him about anything, anything. Like any leftist, he's constantly making moral pronouncements and judgments. Pretty much the only thing he will not judge is the murder of infants. But, but we can judge that, and we should, because it is, as the church says, an intrinsic moral evil. Contrary to popular belief, we as Christians are not, we're not only permitted to make judgments, but we're actually required to. So when you hear someone say, Christians shouldn't judge, that, that's simply someone who calls himself a Christian, and there are, there are many of these, but has never actually picked up the Bible and opened it. It would be, you know, of course we, we are supposed to make judgments. It would be rather difficult to apply any of the moral teachings in the gospel if we aren't allowed to make any moral judgments to begin with. Yet this kind of confusion is common now, largely due to the work of heretics like Biden. Speaking of heretics, we go back to Ash Wednesday. Uh, Remember that Ash Wednesday is supposed to be a time of repentance, of mourning for our sins, of remembering, as we're reminded when the ashes are applied, that we are dust and to dust we shall return. That's what Ash Wednesday has always been. But in recent years, the heretics have been uh, making some slight alterations to it. This week across the country, a number of churches held services not for regular old Ash Wednesday, but for Glitter Ash Wednesday. Glitter Ash Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, but with a little gay flair. One of these um, demonic perversions of a previously solemn and sacred observance was held at Michigan State University. And there was a local Fox reporter there who interviewed a female pastor, because of course it's a female pastor, from an an Episcopal church, because, of course. And here's how she explained it. So on campus, Canterbury MSU, which is the the Episcopal campus ministry, um, is um, once again, (laughs) we did this right before COVID, um, we again are are offering um, glitter ashes on campus. 
Um, so this is um, a program that has come out of a national organization called Parity that seeks equality for LGBTQ plus folks. And Glitter Ashes is a way to recognize the ways in which the church has too often failed to recognize, much less include, LGBTQ folks. And, and so for the glitter ashes, the, the ashes, traditional ashes that we use, the same that we'll use um, the rest of the day on Ash Wednesday, get mixed with a little bit of glitter as a sign of reconciliation and love and inclusion, not just for LGBTQ folks, certainly for that, but also, of course, if we include anyone, we're widening the circle for everyone. If you're someone who has felt excluded from the church, maybe your home church or maybe the church in general, and, and that's painful for you, and you're looking for a way to acknowledge that, to acknowledge maybe faith that you feel somewhat exiled from, this might be a way to do that. And, and that would certainly be our hope, that, that anyone who f has felt like the church has not made a place for them, that this is a sign that, in fact, there is a place for you. And if the church has failed to say that, it's the church's failing, not yours. So Glitter Ash Wednesday is just like Ash Wednesday, except the exact opposite of it. At Glitter Ash Wednesday, rather than being told that they are dust and to dust they shall return, observers are told that they are special and wonderful in every way. Rather than being called to humility, they're called explicitly to pride. Rather than recalling the sins they've committed, they recall the alleged sins committed against them. Rather than focusing on Christ, they're encouraged to focus on themselves. This is not Christianity. This is Satanism. It's the worship of self, which is what Satanism is. So we see that although Christianity may be losing ground in the West, it's not really being replaced by secularism. Irreligion is not taking the place of religion. Instead, a new religion is gaining ground. We, we, are, we are still really a deeply religious culture as we've always been, but it's the religion of the self. This religion makes its own supernatural claims, such as the claim that boys can magically become girls. It has its own priests, some of them still masquerading as Christian priests. It has its own observances, some of, the, some of them inversions of Christian observances. It has its own commandments, which are basically the Ten Commandments flipped on their head. You are your own God. There shall be no God before you. Hate your father and mother. You shall steal. You shall murder, especially your children. You shall covet and attempt to be coveted. These are the moral edicts of our religions, of our culture's dominant religion. And the more it identifies itself as a separate religion, rather than trying to remain parasitically attached to Christianity, the better. Go ahead and have your glittered observances. Smear glitter on your face all you want while reflecting on how special you think you are. Just stop pretending that it has anything to do with the Christian faith while you're doing it. And also, of course, we must say, you're canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. 
The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Clavin. <laughs>